Hello everyone, this is Simon with Midweek Devotions, a time for us to be in God's Word throughout the week and to be doing it together too. Welcome back to our new series as we start today uh, exploring the names of God in the Bible. It's an opportunity for us to consider how we can see and relate with God in accordance with how he calls himself. And we're going to start off today with the big one, with God's personal covenant name, with the name Yahweh. Uh, But before we get into that, let's pray and ask God for his help. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we give you thanks for today, another day uh, where we can live and love and serve you. Uh, Please uh, help us and teach us as we consider your word and consider how you have revealed yourself. Uh, Lord, help us to see um, your person as we consider your names uh, in the Bible. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's an old TV show, a sitcom from the 80s called Cheers. Uh, It's a a TV show that was set in a small local pub in Boston, and it's centered around its owner, the pub staff, and its regular patrons. One of the things about Cheers was that it had a really catchy theme song. And there's a great line in there in the theme song that captures the vibe of the show. The line goes like this, Cheers, that's the name of the pub, Cheers, where everybody knows your name where everybody knows your name. That's such a great line, isn't it? It's such a rich thing uh, in there, that there's this place where everybody knows you, a place where you belong and are accepted. It's where you don't have to put on a face or put effort in just to fit in. It's a place where you can be yourself. It's this idea of a safe space, a place where you aren't just another number in the database or a random face in the crowd. You're a, a person and you're treated like a person. Actually, this idea, a place where everybody knows your name, the idea of it is really kind of like a place to call home. A place where everybody knows your name. That's a big deal. It's a big deal to be known by name. And it's a big deal actually to know someone else's name. And that's something that we know and experience in our, in our lives as well. Because, you know, we're surprised when someone remembers our name after meeting us just once or twice. And actually, because we ourselves find it hard to remember other people's names too. We know it's a big deal to know someone's name. Well, in the Bible, God reveals his name to us. And it really is a big deal. It's really something that does carry lots of significance. And so let's just read together first the account of how he shares it. Uh, It's in the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. Uh, He reveals it first to Moses in that little story of the burning bush. I'm going to read it. It's Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. If you're able to grab a Bible and open it up, then I'd encourage you to do that now. But if you can't, because you're driving or something like that, then just listen along as we go. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses! And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, 
I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. In this account, God reveals his name, and it's Yahweh. Well, maybe. Uh, We don't really know, actually, how this name is supposed to be pronounced. In our English Bibles, that name is often written as LORD in all caps. And you might have heard the name Jehovah being used before as well. That's the same name as Yahweh here, the same word. These different versions of the same name arose because the Jews didn't want to inadvertently take the Lord's name in vain. And so they had kind of a solution where they tried to stop saying it aloud altogether. From a linguistic point of view, with this word Yahweh is derived from the verb to be. That's why he says, I am who I am. It's the verb to be. In a sense, perhaps it's saying that God is the only transcendent being, that only he exists in and of himself. He, he has existence in his own power and right. In philosophy, we would say that he's the only necessary being, that he's not a contingent being. He was never created like we were and like everything else is. Most importantly, though, here, I think, is not so much how to say the name or where it comes from linguistically. More important is that it's a name that it's God's personal name. It's his name in the proper sense of it. It's not a a title or an epithet or a designation of some sort. It's his name. That's kind of like pointing out the difference between saying Her Majesty or Liz, between saying the Premier or Gladys, or, or I suppose Dom now. It's the difference between saying the PM or ScoMo, right? It's the personal name. It's It's different. Knowing a personal name Well, it's about the barriers and the distance being broken down and overcome. And here it's about a God who has chosen to come near to us and be with us, rather than just looking down from above. And that's really the whole setting of this burning bush encounter. The place that Moses approached and met God here was holy ground. He was afraid to look God in his face. But in this moment of God's holiness and his distance, God shares his name, and he comes close. 
This moment where God reveals it, what's going on in the story, it, it reveals that as well. It's full of that sense of the kind of relationship, the closeness that we can have with him. See, Moses is being sent by God to lead his people, but he's actually really reluctant to do it. He keeps giving excuses, and his last one here is about God's name. God says to him, go to his people, and Moses replies, if I go to them, they'll ask me what your name is. I mean, it's it's really quite strange. It's kind of a completely random, nonsensical even kind of retort. The, the Israelites have never known God's personal name up to this point anyway. So, so what difference would it make if Moses could or couldn't tell them? See, Moses is grasping at straws. He's plucking random issues out of thin air. It's all in an effort to escape the task. But in grace, God answers him. In grace, God answers this nonsensical question, and in doing so, he reveals this deeply personal bit of information. Moses is insecure and dodging. He asks an unreasonable question, but in response, God is gracious and answers him, and in doing so, gives him something that's designed to reassure him. See, knowing God's name isn't just a piece of information. Knowing God's name here is about knowing God. It's about having a relationship with him. It's about being able to call on him and speak to him. In a very real way, it's about being able to lean on him and trust him. Because knowing God's name is a sign that they are in a real relationship. And that means that they can truly trust. Moses and God's people are being reminded that they have someone who is invested in them and behind them, who is committed to them, that he is someone they can believe in. That's why this name Yahweh is going to be known as the covenant name of God. It's the name of promise, the name that God uses to kind of sign on the dotted line, so to speak, when he makes promises to his people. It points to this fact that it's our relationship with God, our knowledge of him and our experience of him that enables our faith and trust. Where Moses was insecure, God gives him his name so that he could know who and what he was trusting in. God gives him his name and it's to be his reassurance, especially in that time of insecurity. And truly, that's something that we can take up to. It's something that helps us to reflect on Jesus even. Because Jesus calls himself the I am. Jesus claims this name of Yahweh for himself. And when he does that, he's not just saying that he himself is God. He's saying that he is the very same guy, the very same person, the very same one who appeared to them and promised to them and has been rescuing them all through the generation. That's why the Jews thought it blasphemy and they wanted to stone him for it. Not, not just because it was a claim to be God, but it was a claim to be the very same God that they worshipped and sacrificed to. And think about it, when, when Jesus calls himself the I Am, well, consider the different descriptions of himself that he pairs it with. In John's Gospel, he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the true vine. These descriptions are all things of faith and trust. 
They're all different ways in which Jesus is to be our peace and security, how he can be the one thing that we truly rely on. They're metaphors of how Jesus is our best and true guide who looks after us and provides for us and helps us to see how he's the only one who has the ability or the power or the substance to be the one who we really and ultimately rely on, put our hope in. Jesus claims the I am and he unpacks it with these descriptions. He makes it clear that he is God who we can enter into a relationship, who we can be close with and therefore trust with our lives both eternally and now. And there's a great gospel truth in all of this. That Jesus is not just the I am of relationship to us in name or identity. He is the I am of relationship in action as well. Because he has come down and drawn near. He has entered into our world as one of us. He has made his presence and existence amongst us personal in a physical way. And it's a sign of what he gives. That because of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross, this truth of personal relationship with God is as real and close as being able to see and touch and hug and talk to another human being. God is a personal God. He is known to us in relationship. He is Yahweh. So put your trust in Jesus, the I Am, today. And give thanks that he isn't distant or aloof or far away. He is close. He has come down. He has entered in to our world and our lives. And that he knows us by name. Just as he has told us his name. We haven't met him in passing. It's not just a once-off thing or for a time. The relationship that we have with God is deep and rich. It's close and intimate. In the goodness of his grace and promises, it's forever. We know his name. And he knows ours. It's a relationship. So let relationship be where your faith and trust in him comes from. Let relationship with God be where you gain the security to obey and serve and put him first in your life. In everything you face. Even those things that make you fear or feel insecure. And maybe that's something we can practice today with an activity, something we could do. Maybe you could write down some of the things in your life, things you feel great about and things you don't. Maybe, maybe it's something that we could all be challenged to do. That we would pray and bring them to God in the context of our relationship with him. And we would talk to him about them and share them with him. Cry out to him, not just what they are and what we think, but how we feel. And I think as we do that, we will find that he reassures us and strengthens us, that he aids us in them. Because as Yahweh, as our personal God, as one who is close and intimate with us, the great I am, he loves to draw near, and to be with us like that. Let's pray and just ask for God's help and for the courage to do these things more and more, that our faith might be enriched in relationship with him.
not not a transactional thing where we gain something from him or we try and give something to him, but where we relate with him and live with him and walk with him in the fullness of what it means for us to live our lives. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you that you are God who is with us, that you are Yahweh, you are the I am, that in so many ways you, you relate with us and you meet us. Lord, help us to see this truth, this great and wonderful reality, this thing that the gospel makes possible, that we can go to you and we can know you and that we can trust you for everything that is going on in our lives. Lord, would you teach us to approach you like this? Not to think of our, uh, our connection with you as transactional. Not to think that you're there to give us something or that we're here to give you something. But really to take up that, um, that truth of relationship. Would you give us the courage? Would you give us the freedom, the, the peace to be able to share with you where we are in our life and to know that you listen, and that you care, that you love us, and that you are working in our life for our good and for the kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that we can know you personally. Would our faith and our trust in you be enriched more and more as that truth grows in us? We pray these things in Jesus, the I Am's name. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today for Midweek Devotions, this first foray into the names of God. We've got a bunch more to come until the end of the year. But until then, bye for now and see you next time.